Welcome to the British Sports Car Podcast. Join me, Sarah, and Nick, our resident sports car expert, as we bring you all the latest news from the top tiers of British motorsport, including British GT, GT Cup and Brick Car, as well as British motorsport interests from around the world. GT News. Hello and welcome to the From the Racetrack episode for qualifying day for the British GT Donington Decider. I'm Nick Smith, I'm your host for today. Once again, Sarah is unable to join us. She's been busy doing that horrible thing called work all day. Um, so she's not actually been that on top of what's happening at the racetrack. She's asked me to handle this episode by myself for you. So without any further ado, let's hop straight into what happened at Donington Park for the hashtag Donington Decider. Can't forget the hashtag. Now the first thing that I covered from the racetrack was the changes to the entry list. Um, obviously we have changes to the entry list ahead of every race. But this time we had a few single round entries and we also had one driver who has decided not to race with his dad and is instead racing with another team. So, um, the one that was missing really, I mean there's a few missing, we, we know we've lost WPI, we've lost Balf, uh, we've also not got Redline Racing, Redline Racing have tied up their championship already this year, uh, WPI and Balf, from what we've heard, have both sold up, um, so they will not be coming back if what we've heard is true. Team Parker Racing uh, didn't come in the GT3 class either. They were present in GT4 and they were present in strength in the Porsche, GB, Cayman Islands, Visit Cayman Islands, Cayman Cup thing. Um, but they weren't in the top class of British GT with the Porsche 911 991 GT3R. The, that car is actually in Portimao this weekend racing in the Michelin GT Challenge which is the feeder series for the European Le Mans series both championships having their final round in the Algarve as we as we speak in terms of cars that are arriving that we weren't expecting then the big headline car is the number 97 this is Beach Dean AMR the Aston Martin V8 Vantage AMR GT3 Andrew Howard, as you'd expect, is part of the driver lineup for this car. He is joined by Lewis Proctor, which we weren't expecting. Lewis has raced all year with his dad's Stuart in the Greystone GT McLaren 720S GT3. Uh, but this weekend he has opted to race with Andrew Howard. And I think this is potentially a very smart move on Lewis's part. Uh, first of all, I'm guessing there's some form of financial incentive for him to do so but he is getting experience of racing the cars that he races against and knowing what the other cars can do is almost half the battle in a multi-class GT race. 
Simon Orange has also come with his Orange Racing powered by JMH team. A McLaren 720S GT3. And this car and this driver lineup of Simon Orange and Michael O'Brien, friend of the show. Good to see you back, Michael. Um, has already had success this month. In the last weekend in Snetterton, the car and the drivers tied up the overall title in GT Cup. So congratulations to them. And they've come to race at the final round of British GT, hopefully although I've not had a chance to speak to either yet, as a precursor to a full-season campaign next year. Two Seas Motorsport have also bought an extra car. This is a Mercedes-AMG GT3, as you'd expect from Two Seas, uh, with Graham Davidson, former champion, uh, who won in an Aston Martin a few years ago, and a chap called Aaron Walker. Don't know a whole lot about him, but so far today, they've acquitted themselves quite well. Now, obviously, with Lewis racing with Beach Dean, that means that Father Proctor, Stuart Proctor, needs somebody else to sit in the car. You can't race as a single car, single driver in a car in British GT. So the team have gone looking for someone to fill the seat whilst maintaining the car's place in the Silver, uh, silver Am category. And they found a pretty good silver driver, a uh, chap called Warren Hughes. Now, most people will know Warren Hughes. He's been around British GT for a while. He's raced a few times. Uh, when I first saw him, he was racing a Nissan in the GT1 World Championship. And this was, oh, low these many moons ago. So, uh, a properly experienced peddler there. Also in the super sub category, we have a chap called Mark Smith. He is in the number 11 car. This is the Paddock Motorsport GT3 machine of Martin Plowman and should be Kelvin Fletcher. But his prior commitments mean that he can't race. So Mark Smith has stepped in. In GT4, there's a couple of driver changes, but the only real additional car comes from Academy Motorsport. They've uh, got the spare Ford Mustang out of storage, given a bit of a tune-up, and installed Will Moore. Now, he's racing with a chap called Eric Evans, who actually acquitted himself very well in qualifying. Uh, Matt Cowley and Marco Signoretti continue in the number 61 car the full season. At Veluga Racing the in the Porsche Cayman, Benji Hetherington this weekend is joined by a chap called Adam Knight, and in the Paddock Motorsport GT4 car, Moritzson is joined by a man called Kavi Jandu. Uh, Kavi Jundu, my apologies. He's been racing in GT Cup this year, and he got straight to doing what he could to impress as well. That car stood out in free practice one as one with a little bit of pace to it. So those are the drivers that have changed and the cars that have changed uh, ahead of this round in free practice one uh, the top honors were claimed by one of the single round entries the orange racing powered by jmh car um, it was a, a strange session we've had overnight rain the circuit was a bit wet so a lot of cars went out on the well all the cars initially went out on wet tires as the session continued, those wet tyres started to give way to slick tyres. Um, it's 
I mean, it was changing at the top all the time, basically. Uh, very intense session to try and keep track of. Um, but our Simon Orange and Michael O'Brien did manage to navigate the the dry line to to work their way to the top of the timesheets. In GT4, um, it was Toyota Gazoo Racing who took the top spot, the Speedworks Motorsport Run Toyota GR Supra GT4. Jordan Collard set the fastest time for that car. Tom Edgar wasn't actually that far off. Um, again, another another car that had to carefully navigate that that crossover point between wets and dry tyres. All cars had to as well. Um, through the session, the, the highest we saw a GT4 car go was 7th place overall, which was really impressive. That's 8 places into the GT3 class. So going back to GT3 then, at the start of the session, we had Jules Gounon back with Ian Loggy in the number 6 car for Ram Racing, and Alex Sims battling for the top spot. And Sam Neary, again, proving, as I've been saying all along, that that car still has pace, and that lad has pace to spare. Because we're talking... Jules Gounon is, as we've said many times before, one of the go-to Mercedes-AMG factory professional drivers. He races in cars for all teams all over the world every weekend. Uh, he is the, ty the type of person that if you've got money or you want to win a championship, you ask Mercedes to send him. Alex Sims has excelled in single-seater racing. He has performed incredibly well in the Formula E Championship. Uh, he was a BMW i Andretti Formula E team factory driver for a number of years. Um, he has also got experience in the GT car for the factory as well and is being linked to an LMDH drive with, with BMW as well so hopefully many good things to come for Alex Sims the really good news here is that of course Alex is in a BMW we only have one BMW it's a number 91 the Century Motorsport car that car's had a season which hasn't exactly covered itself in glory uh, but since we put Alex Sims in it and a little bit of a, a, a whirly gig of second drivers of, of, of amateur drivers in that car that car has come on in leaps and bounds so those three really shared the top spot for the first half hour 20, 20 minutes half hour of the first first practice session at the end of the session then we continued to have a battle with the factory drivers now by this point Sam Neary had handed over to Richard Neary um, they did reinstall Sam a little bit later on but really it was the the guys with a factory contract that were were holding holding sway at the front Alex Sims Jules Gounon uh, they've been battling throughout and then Q Lamborghini Squadra Corsa Hot Shoe Sandy Mitchell with the Barwell Lamborghini he shares with Adam Ballon. Um, now, the circuit was continually drying throughout the session. They'd all switched on to slicks by this point. 
but the circuit was still developing. So when the majority of the factory drivers called it a day and handed over to their AMs, that then left a chance for the remaining professional drivers to steal a march on the on the factory talent. And it was was the case for, for the likes of Michael O'Brien uh, in the orange racing car, uh, who eventually took the top spot, Ewan Hankey for 76, and then Lewis Williamson for two C's motorsport they had the final battle in the dying five minutes of the session the mclaren went well there's two mclarens in there let's be a little bit more precise the 67 mclaren from orange racing took the top spot a 127 439 uh, then lewis williamson took second place 0.679 seconds behind ewan hankey took third in the final timing screens, uh, Ian Loggy for Ram Racing, Darren Lung for Century Motorsport, and Adam Ballon for Barwell Motorsport were in positions 4, 5 and 6, but these times of course were set by the pro drivers before they handed over. In GT4, it was Jordan Collard that took the top spot for Toyota, with Seb Hopkins in the Team Parker Racing GT4 car, the Porsche 718 Cayman Club Sport GT4 RS. Uh, then Tom Rawlings in the Harriet's Chariot number nine, Century BMW rounded out the top three. Uh, as I've said before, though, it wasn't really these drivers which rose to the most attention in GT4. Uh, this was Kavi Jundu, uh, who runs Diamond Box, and I have no idea what Diamond Box is, but he obviously runs it very well because he earns enough money to go racing. Um, who's moved up from GT Cup. Uh, he set the pace early on in the class, was well clear of a number of much more storied competitors. Um, and the car ended up well in the top 10 in class. So a good effort from the Paddock Motorsport GT4 car. Then came free practice two. And... This time it was Barwell Motorsport which took the top spot, the Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo of Mitchell and Balance. Sandy Mitchell, of course, set the time. Whilst in GT4, Stellar Motorsport were the team which took the took the top spot. Uh, Senn and Fielding set the lap actually fairly early in the session. It was about 25-30 minutes in. Um, then Richard Williams got his turn behind the wheel the circuit had become properly dry between free practice one and free practice two so there was none of this do we go slicks do we go wet pussyfooting around trying to find the grip it was flat out there was a couple of slightly damp spots out the back of the circuit mclean's and coppice area but on the whole it was fill your boots time and full filling boots a lot of drivers did now, because of the reduced running and the slower pace of running in free practice one, it left teams with a lot of work to do. So there wasn't the battle for bragging rights we saw in FP1. It was a fairly steady away team for a while. Early entertainment come from some factory drivers in GT3. Sandy Mitchell and Jules Gounon going at it. Um, what we didn't get to see really was Alexander Sims putting in his to Penneth, 
because the Century Motorsport BMW ground to a halt out by the S's uh, and on the run onto the to the Grand Prix loop of the circuit. Apparently the car snapped a belt, um, could happen to anybody, uh, had to be recovered and spent the rest of the session in the pits. It did cause a red flag though, which allowed teams the chance to make any changes and I suppose mop the brows of the drivers that have been sweating hard in the car. Once the circuit went back to green, we were in the remaining sort of 20-25 minutes of the session. And again, Sandy Mitchell and Jules Gounon went to town on battling over first place. Jules Gounon took the top spot first, uh, about eight minutes before the session ended. Uh, But then uh, Sandy Mitchell managed to displace him by a margin of 0.004 seconds. There was another margin in there that was 0.006 seconds. So there's a lot of double O's in here. I can't remember who was 004, but 006 was Alec Trevelyan, uh, Sean Bean. Um, I digress. <laughs> there, there was the possibility of a faster lap uh, coming from Jules Gounon. He went purple on his final lap, went purple in the first sector, and then did a personal best in the second sector. And if it had carried on with that lap, unless he hit horrific traffic on the Grand Prix loop, there's a good chance he would have improved. But as he came round the final corner, instead he took to the pit lane, obviously satisfied with the job he'd done. Um, so that lap never came to fruition. Another lap which did come to fruition, but was soon disallowed, came from Lewis Williamson in the two seas motorsport machine which rivals for the title it was disallowed due to track limits that left Michael O'Brien the driver who took the fastest time in the first practice session to take third place Uh, Williamson ended up in fourth fifth went to team rocket RJN now we didn't see much of this car in free practice one it spent pretty much all of it in the pit lane and it wasn't the only car to do this by the way there was one in GT4 as well um, which was Scully, the number 27 Newbridge car. Um, both of the, the the number two and the number 27 decided on the slippery transitional circuit that we had in FP1 that it was better to save the car than risk having an off in free practice and damaging it. The teams were able to test on Thursday. That data was more relevant to what they were expecting to see in qualifying and during the race. In GT4, as we say, Sen and Fielding set the time fairly early on. Um, Matt Cowley in the Academy Motorsport car took second place in Ford Mustang GT4. And then Seb Hopkins and Jamie Orton in the Team Parker racing car took third. Matt Topham and Darren Turner, the championship leaders. And until I started doing the championship maths during the, during the sessions today... I'd pretty much termed them champions elect in my head, but there is actually more of a chance of this one changing than than I originally thought. So, despite the fact that the new Bridgaston Martin didn't take much of a part in FP1, obviously didn't hurt them too much, because in FP2, they were in fourth place. We're talking a, a silver class, basically. This is a pro-am car, so... It was fairly impressive that they managed to get that high up, although I suppose in free practice, which is more of a time trial format, then having a pro-am car up towards the top 
doesn't have quite as much of a surprise as it would do potentially during the race. So looking back through my 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 reporting from today, and you can see the reporting uh, on our website, BritSCPodcast.co.uk. Uh, the next things I've got in here is the championship maths and when I upload the qualifying report to the race weekend live page you'll also be able to see the championship maths in all the classes as well. Um, then we came to qualifying and in qualifying we've I've done something slightly different today in that I watched GT3 qualifying from the balcony above pit lane. Um, and I recorded some ambient sound in there, which I'll play for you in a little bit, so you can hear the different sounds of the engines, and you can hear a little bit of the a hustle and bustle of a working pit lane as well. Um, but then I went down into the garages to look to to find some interviews with the GT3 drivers, and while I was there, I reported a bit on what was actually happening as it happened. So we've got some actual almost as live, almost radio reporting for you from GT4 qualifying as well. So in the GT3 qualifying session then, what we what we had really was, well, it's a tale of two parts because all the cars went out. Eight cars managed to set a lap time nice and early. But then we had almost a cloudburst in the level of downpour that we had. It went from absolutely no question slicks weather to cars in the gravel trap and off on the grass, almost in the blink of an eye. Um, now, what this did mean is of the 15 cars in GT3, only eight set a lap that would stand on slick tyres, which then meant that the remaining... Seven really had a job of work to do to not end up stone dead last. So what I'm going to do for you now is I'm going to play just a little bit of the audio that I recorded. I'll give you some of the ambient sound and then a little bit of some of the coverage that I recorded actually from the balcony.
I'm stood overlooking the pit lane and it is the second part of GT3 qualifying. You can hear cars going round in the background. Now, the reason I've stopped recording some ambient sound and started talking to you directly is what I'm seeing with my own eyes here is uh, Sandy Mitchell and Lewis Williamson have pitted and they have changed to slick tyres. Now, at the start of GT3 qualifying part one, we had a few cars that went out on slicks um, and they had a downpour. We had a couple of cars off, which uh, caused a red flag. Um, all the cars then transitioned to their, their wet tyres and it's been a wet session throughout. So these two cars taking a gamble on going to the, to the slick tyres at this point is quite exciting and especially given that we're talking pro times here now so we should be eclipsing anything that the uh, anything that the AMS did provided the circuit will hold up to it it's going to be very very interesting to watch the last dying moments of this session we've got just about a lap time left on the clock so these guys will get a lap in provided they don't end up in the gravel So as we've said, the GT3 qualifying session was very much a tale of two cities. Those that got their flying lapping on slick tyres at the start of the session were instantly placed in a better position than those that did not. Now, for the likes of the Neeries, it worked out very, very well. And it's quite surprising that it did, to be honest, given that number eight car was spotted travelling across grass uh, after the rain started but if you listen to what Richard Neary told me uh, partly it was the fact that his son is rapid and also it was a case of almost that it was almost a case of mind over matter and despite the fact the windscreen was covered in rain Richard was just thinking it's not raining I'm going to carry on um, which led to the fastest time of the session of the combined sessions going to the number eight team ABBA racing Mercedes. So, Richard, indeed, Richard Neary, congratulations! Pole position for the final race of the final race of the championship. Have to be honest, when I saw where you were just as the rain started coming down, looked a little bit greener than a racetrack should be. I wasn't expecting this. Uh, no, I mean, I think it was a question of getting out early and getting one lap in the, in, in the bank, really. And sort of halfway around the lap, the windscreen was covered in rain. And I'm just trying to convince myself to keep pushing on because it won't actually affect your lap time for the first 10 or 15 seconds because it, it's just a little bit of water. But towards the end of the lap, it was a bit sketchy. But, uh, you know, it was great. You know, we managed to get the lap completed and Sam jumped in and, you know, last lap of the thing put us uh, P1 overall. What is it about this this particular Mercedes AMG? Because isn't it the winningest Mercedes AMG ever built or something? Yes, it is. Uh, we've won more races in this car. I think basically it's just because we've run the car for so long. Most teams change the cars relatively often, but we haven't. We've just kept soldiering on with the same car. And it's not an upgraded Evo car. It's the Generation 1 car. So, How long do you think you're going to continue running the old car against the, the latest factory cars? Until it's uncompetitive. And I've been saying also, I was saying most of last season as well, but I've been saying all season that you can't have much longer racing with Sam before Mercedes offer him a contract. Who knows? <laughs> It'd be nice. 
Definitely proud of your boy. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if he can out-qualify Jules Gunon in the rain, he's doing something right, isn't he? Yeah, it was a fantastic effort from both of you. Obviously, it takes two to qualify on pole in this. And congratulations to you, and hopefully a good result tomorrow. Yeah, let's keep fingers crossed. Thanks very much. Fantastic. Cheers, Thank mate. Further, further down the order then, uh, so going to second place, and I'm just pulling up the timing screen, which I took a photo of now. We have Michael O'Brien in the number 67 car. This is the McLaren 720S of Orange Racing. Michael O'Brien set an absolutely amazing time, but you can't take away from the performance of Simon Orange, uh, who obviously isn't as familiar with the British GT Championship as a lot of the other drivers. Um, may have won GT Cup, but is still sort of new kid on the block around British GT, so quite quite an impressive performance from him. Jamie Stanley had the second session for Fox Motorsport. Uh, they took third place ahead of Martin Plowman in the number 11 car, the Paddock Motorsport entry. Alex Sims took fifth place, despite the fact that uh, Darren Lung, uh, who shares the driving in the number 91 car, actually set a incredibly strong time. It was actually faster than Richard Neary in the first qualifying session. Um, it was just a testament to how tricky the conditions were and how the conditions were changing that the number 91 car didn't manage to excel in the second part of qualifying. Warren Hughes in the... Uh, in the Greystone GT McLaren, took 6th. James Kell in the Team Rocket RJM McLaren took 7th. So there's an awful lot of McLarens here, split by just one BMW. We're looking McLarens in 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 6th, 7th and 8th uh, with Ed Pede's number 24 car. This is the second of the Greystone GT machines. We get down to ninth place and the number 77, then 10th place for the number 72, 6th for the number 11 car, and 13th for the number 4. Now the reason I'm pulling these cars out of the list here is these are the cars which stand a chance of taking the overall or Pro-Am titles uh, tomorrow. These are the championship protagonists, and as a result of the way the weather went, and also as a result of the fact that a couple of these cars tried to switch early to slicks and it didn't work for them. These cars are starting right down in the cheap seats. Um, and it's going to make for a very interesting race, particularly with the number 4 and the number 77, and maybe the number 72, potentially feeling the pressure to take risk going into situations out on the racetrack. Because they they're the ones that have they've got to win it. Ian Loggy can afford to to take things a little bit carefully, pick his fights, because he's got a reasonable championship lead. These other three cars are going to have to fight for it if they want it, and it could lead to incident tomorrow, uh, which hopefully we don't get. Hopefully it's a, a little bit as rubbing his racing, and and that's all she wrote then. So after 
GT3 qualifying, of course, comes GT4. And I'm not going to go particularly into the two sessions. What I've got for you now is about six or seven minutes of audio of me. I was stood in the Team Abba garage waiting to speak to Richard Neary. Uh, he got called away to scrutineer him. And the cars, most of the cars went out on their uh, wet weather tyres. The very select few gambled on slicks, and as you'll hear later, it kind of paid off. But whilst I was in, in the garage waiting for the chance to speak to Richard Neary, they were right next to Academy. And the two Academy cars came in quite early on to change two slick tyres. So I've got a little bit of sound of that as well. Uh, and a little bit of me discussing it. I do apologise in these interviews and this sound recording I've got. I did have a slight technical hitch which causes the sound quality to drop for just a couple of clips. But hopefully it will be of use to you and, and, and of benefit to you. And you enjoy hearing what it was I was hearing. And me telling you what it was that I was seeing. What you've just heard is the number 62 car, that's the second Academy Motorsport Mustang, changing from wet tyres to slicks on what still has to be a bit of a greasy track. Now, there were teams in GT3 qualifying that tried this, and it did not work out for them. But championships are possibly potentially going to be decided in this way because GT4 Pro-Am contenders Team Brit are currently changing the tyres on their McLaren 570S GT4 car. They're going to slick tyres as well. This could be a very exciting qualifying session in GT4 too. Okay, it's obviously looking good because the number 61 Mustang has now come into the pits. They're removing tyres. The team are running out with some slick tyres for this car as well. I'm going to go back and watch the timing screens now. And let's see how the 62 is getting on on these slick tyres on a wet or greasy track. It's still showing as an outlap, both for Aaron Morgan and for Eric Evans as well in the number 62. 
So let's take a look and see what's happening here. As it stands at the moment, Richard Williams has just put in the provisional pole time. But do remember that GT4 qualifying is an aggregate of two times. So on the wet tyres, GT4s are putting in low 141s. Um, I'm now looking to see how these slick shod cars are getting on. Now the number 68, the Team Brick car, has just put in a green sector. It's a couple of tenths of a second off the number 7, the Mercedes, that's running in 12th place in GT4. But this is an outlap, he's still getting heat into his tyres. A task that's going to be much harder on a wet track that's going to be trying to actively cool the tyres down. Obviously, though, with Academy Motorsport taking the gamble on both of their cars, at least one team out there is firmly convinced that this is a slick track rather than a wet tyre track. It's going to be very, very interesting. We've got enough time for about two laps left, so... Keeping you a little bit up to date. Jamie Orton in the number 65 car, the Team Parker Racing 718 Claim and Jub Club Sport RS, the GT4 car. He's just put in a 139.927, the fastest lap of the uh, fastest lap of the session. So um, and there's me looking for the aggregate timings, but it's the first part of GT4 qualifying, so it's not going to be up there. That's that's a good four tenths of a second clear of, of Richard Williams, who is who is no no slow peddler himself. So the track is definitely coming to these drivers. And again, the track gets faster. Tom Rawlings in the number nine car, the Century Motorsport BMW, Harriet's Chariot, has just improved again. Uh, just, uh, just under a tenth of a second faster than Jamie Orton. Okay, the number 62 car's first time on, on the slick tyres is in. He goes ninth. He's placed actually directly behind Marco Signoretti in the number 61. So the pace is about right. It's, it is a transition period here. If they're putting in times that are within a second, this, this, this track is going to come to these drivers. Aaron Morgan now has gone to 8th place in the Team Brick car. He's got time for one more lap on these slicks. And up at the top, it is, it's, it's changing for the, tire, for the runners on wet tyres. Jamie Orton's gone back to the top. He's now a 139-111 um, ahead of the number 90 car from Sentry. And then we've still got Tom Rawlings in third. Oh, no, changed again, the number 42 car. The Stella, Stella Motorsport Audi, that now goes to second place. And Jamie, Jamie Miller, Josh Miller, Josh Miller in the number 23 car, one of the championship protagonists in the GT4 class. This is the R Racing car, has just put in a 139.081 uh, to take the top spot. Tom Rawlings comes back. We're now into the 138s. 138 and a half, basically. So this, this track's just getting quicker and quicker and quicker. And all we want is a clear lap for the cars that have changed over two slick tyres. And we could be looking at a fairly, a fairly quick time here and a fairly insurmountable margin. 
for the for the faster drivers the second part of GT4 qualifying to overcome. Here comes Jack Brown through the final corner now. Let's see whether he can improve. He's now down to fifth. It comes across the line, goes up to second. So this, this track is definitely getting quicker. Now the gamble hasn't really paid off for the team Brick Car. They finished up in ninth place in the in the McLaren uh, after after switching over to slick tyres. It's paid off a little bit better for the um, well, perhaps a little bit better for the Academy car. That's the number sixty one, Marco Signoretti, there in seventh. But it's going to make it very difficult for these GT4 teams to decide what they're doing for the next session. And as the final cars come across the line, we're not expecting any more blistering changes. So the first part of GT4 qualifying has been claimed by Tom Edgar in the number 48. That's the Toyota Gazoo Racing UK Toyota GR Supra GT4, the car that he shares with Jordan Collard. Congratulations, Tom Edgar, pole sitter, British GT final round of the championship. How does that feel? It feels incredible, really. Uh, can't be happier, really. Really pleased with the job that I've done and Jordan has done across the qualifying session there. Obviously a difficult qualifying session, people changing tyres during your time out on track and was it slicks or was it wets or what was it? Well it was both for me. <laughs> Started off in the wets and pitted and put the slicks on. Only a time for one flyer but just about managed to get it across and, and pole position and Jordan did an incredible job to keep us up there. So yeah, very happy. Yeah. Obviously it's been for the last couple of years, the Toyota's been coming on stronger and stronger and stronger, and this year's been one of its best years yet. So are we staying with the Toyota for next year and, and hope, hoping to take it out next year? I can't comment on that just yet, of course, but uh, I'll keep everyone updated as you soon as I know. Trying, I know. I know, I know, I <laughs> know. <But> congratulations <laughs> to you and, of course, to, to Jordan. Fantastic result, and hopefully we're talking to you after the race tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So, as you could hear, it was a very interesting qualifying session with decisions being made up and down the pit lane about how they were going to handle the tricky conditions that were out on track. What we can tell you is that come the end of the session, it was the number 48, the Toyota GR Supra GT4 of Toyota Gazoo Racing UK. Yes, we know it's Speedworks. Jordan Collard had the wheel at the end of the session, which took the top time. Senn Fielding managed to complete the work that Richard Williams had started to take second place on the grid in the number 42 Audi R8 LMS GT4, ahead of the Century Motorsport BMW M4 GT4. Now the surprise here is that it is Harriet's Chariot, it's the number 9 car of Chris Salkeld and Tom Rawlings, which came to the fore. Um, not the number 90 car, which sits two places further back. The number 23 Aston Martin Vantage V8 AMR GT4 of Jamie Day and Josh Miller took fourth place in GT4, uh, ahead of the number 90 of Will Burns and Jack Brown. And then we have the Sepp Hopkins-driven Porsche 718 Cayman GT4 Club Sport RS. The Janetta of Lawrence Tomlin, 
Lawrence Tomlinson. I say Tomlinson and Ginetta and I assume it's Lawrence, but of course it's Freddie Tomlinson uh, in this car, sharing the driving with Joe Wheeler. Took seventh place, ahead of the number 61 and the number 62, which, as you've heard, switched very early to the slick tyres and didn't quite manage to make it work. Mo Ritson in the number 26 car took um, 10th place in GT4 overall. St looking a little bit further back, 11th place was Bobby Trundley and Alan Morgan in the Team Brick car. They sit second in the Pro-Am Championship with a job of work to do to take victory in that class. Darren Turner sharing with Matt Topham took uh, 12th place in the class as well. And then we have Benji Hetherington and Michael Broadhurst rounding out the 14 cars from GT4. Right, so congratulations on a brave qualifying yeah. session. Yeah. I've, I've looked around and I can't find the fork drop they must have used to deliver your brave in. Yeah, thanks. What was it like? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty, yeah, an eventful session, but not necessarily in a good way. Um, it was a bit of a shame because we were looking good uh, after being fastest in FP2, um, which was pretty solid. So it would have been nice for it to stay dry. Um, and Adam was on a really good lap when he, uh, when the red flag came out. So unfortunately, I think he was in the last corner when the red flag came out, um, and it would have been a, a lap that might have put him pole in that session. So yeah, a bit disappointing overall, but um, yeah, pretty fun to go out there on some slicks and uh, try and make it work. And I think in the end, I was only half a second slower, so not bad. Yeah, and I switched to this one by accident. Yeah, no and it wasn't the result that you were looking for. You wanted to be a bit further forward, but all of your main championship rivals are behind you. So from a session that was difficult and you had to make a, a call, it's probably the best you could hope for, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's the best of a, of a bad bunch, really. I mean, it would have been, it, it, in one way of looking at it, it's a bit of an opportunity lost to have really gained an upper hand over our competitors for tomorrow. But equally... We're all now in the same boat, so we've just got to, yeah, full attack tomorrow. Adam will do some good overtaking, I'm sure, in the first half of the race, and uh, yeah, we'll see where we are after that. And of course, you know how to win this championship. You've done it before. Yeah. Adam's been coming on in leaps and bounds over the past few years, so it's with the guys behind you, behind you as well, not in front. They've they've got to get past you. It's it's probably your best your best chance yet to, to win it again, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely a good chance. I mean, uh, unfortunately for us, we've got a 15 second penalty from coming second at Brands Hatch, which is going to make it tricky considering uh, Loggy doesn't have a penalty. Um, so yeah, you never know what can happen. It's a Donington decider. We've seen it before, uh, the unexpected. So yeah, we've just got to go full attack tomorrow, and wherever we end up, we'll, we've got to take it. Well, good luck to you. Good luck to Adam as well. Congratulations thanks. on a very brave, well-executed qualifying yeah, session. No, thanks very much. Thank you. See you later on. Hello. Yeah, I don't just like you when you're on pole. I know. I know. Obviously, not on pole today. No. But that's the job you needed to do, isn't it? Yeah. What two, three places ahead of your nearest championship rival, and ten places ahead of the championship leader. Yeah. That, that's really what you're after, wasn't it? Uh, well, no, we're after pole, but I mean, you know, it's obviously from from um, from the championship point of view. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously that's that's the best we could have. No, it's not. We want to be on pole, but uh, you know, we know we've got to be aggressive for tomorrow. You know, we're in the best place we can be. Let's hope everyone's kind of going to be sensible around us, and we can uh, we can have a clean run and, and then leave it up to everyone else to sort it out between what they're doing. As long as we're you know having a nice half Sunday afternoon, I don't, I don't care. 
What was it like while you were out on track? There were some teams that came in and put slicks on. Was it that? We went on slicks from the from the beginning. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took, we um, we just took. Uh, we watched the last um, part of GT3 session, and uh, one of the Lamborghinis put slicks on right at the end. Didn't look. It didn't look good to do that, but I, I just felt like, and the team, we just felt like actually. It's going to be on that last lap that it's you know, if you can, if you can brave it out and actually get some heat into the tire then you, then you, you're on a you know, you're on to a winner so so yeah so we did that and it you know it's paid off I mean it was sketchy as hell for the first few laps but you know it was um, yeah managed to keep it on the black stuff and, and we're here to tell the story because <laughs> it could have gone the other way it could but given the advantage that the Newbridge car has in the championship was it did you have to throw almost like a hail mary like that. Yeah, because yeah, we, we, we didn't have we didn't really have a choice because we you know for the championship we need to we need to win tomorrow, they need to finish third or worse, we'll win it. If we finish second they've got to finish sixth. So it's gonna be very difficult tomorrow to you know to bring it home. But that's what we're here to do, you know, and we'll just do everything we can, do the best job we can, which you know we put ourselves in a good position to be able to do. Fantastic. And of course talk about Senan again because I was watching it in a couple of garages down and him and Jordan Collard were just trading fastest laps and right on the ragged edge. Yeah, you know, and, and that they're, they're showing their talent. You know, both of them are at the very, very peak of their, um, their you know, their driving careers, you know, and, and they're just doing a phenomenal job. Obviously, Senna's doing, you know, doing an, an amazing job as he's done all, all year. And the last you know, three or four years that we've raced together has been an absolute pleasure. So, you know, and it's... Um, He's just one of the nicest guys you could probably work with, actually, and you know the most talented, uh, uh, you know, to say the least. But um, yeah, so it's going to be well. We're, we're going to go out on a high, whatever happens. Time for the cheeky question: If the regulations stay the same, are we back in GT4 Silver Silver Cup next year? No, because um, no, because Senan, unfortunately, because he's so good, he's been actually he's been upgraded to a bronze driver. So um, so this will actually be our last race that we can drive together. Um, so yeah, going to be. Um, going to be interesting to see what we come back with next year so are you coming back to british gt or are you going to find a different championship to race in i don't know to be honest you know i'm just want to i just want to get tomorrow out of the way and then uh, and then start to think about you know what, what we're going to do um i've got a you know young family who are desperately go racing <laughs> i want to do as much prevention as i can with that because <laughs> um and uh, try and discourage, discourage, discourage them both, but let's see. Um, so yeah, no, no plans at the moment. There's nothing, you know, nothing on the horizon at the moment. So they potentially sell the Audi and buy a few go karts. Eek! <laughs> well, congratulations yeah, to you uh, for, for for being that close to the front and being far ahead of your rivals. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. It's the, it's the big I, interview tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> All right. So. That is the end of our Saturday episode from the racetrack for the hashtag Donington Decider of the 2022 Intelligent Money British GT Championship. There'll be more coverage from the racetrack tomorrow. We're hoping to do some more of this uh, reporting where I'm actually in the pit lane during the session and saying what I'm seeing rather than being in the in the media centre uh, tapping away at hashtag track limits watch and hashtag headmaster's office watch um we've we've kind of realized that what we're doing there is just adding to the noise on twitter rather than adding any real value to the way that you're receiving the championship so we're gonna knock that on the head a little bit sarah's still doing the tweeting from the from the media center 
that I'm going to go out and try and get a little bit more multimedia on you. Last time we did these, we did mention that we, we're not looking to charge for what we do, but we are looking to potentially just offset some of the costs. So if you take a look at our website, britscpodcast.co.uk, about halfway down the front page, there is a little banner there which says that if you are enjoying these these episodes, if you're enjoying the British Sports Car podcast and you want to contribute towards its continued success, you can pop on buy me a coffee um, and then, as it says, you can buy us a coffee. Um, so if you want to do that, we'd be ever so grateful. We also want you guys to get in touch. You can direct message us on any of our social media feeds. Follow us on social media and please do let us know what you're thinking. Engage with the content. Um, if you've got any feedback on the way the episodes are sounding, do feel free to let us know. Uh, we are at Brit SC Podcast on all social media channels. So you can you can find us and you can let us know if we're doing a job and if we're not... Well, we are doing a job. If we're doing a good job and if we're not, how we can improve. So thank you very, very much for your time this evening. We look forward to speaking to you again tomorrow where hopefully it'll be both Sarah and I and we are looking forward to an absolutely nail-biting Donington Decider. You have a lovely evening. Mm -hmm.